The startling shift in American attitudes toward gays and same-sex marriage is not the result of chance or random events. More than a quarter century ago, gay strategists laid out a plan to transform the nation with astounding success. Dr. Bill Petrie will look at this startling transformation on today's edition of Differing Things. Do you consider yourself an independent thinker? What is the source of your conclusions regarding right or wrong? How do you determine your opinions regarding the news and political events? Professional marketers develop strategies to influence and persuade potential customers to purchase their products. Some are very successful as you can probably hum or sing dozens of cute little jingles or recognize the logos of many companies. But you should also realize that people are affecting our culture who you have probably never heard of. How about, about Deanne Wyden, the co-founder of the advertising agency Wyden & Kennedy? Have you ever repeated the Nike slogan, just do it? Wyden developed that phrase back in 1988. Have you ever used the expression, where's the beef? Wendy's hamburger chain profited from that slogan's creator, Cliff Freeman, around 1984. And I would bet you have probably never heard of him either. And I would also bet you have also likely never heard of Marshall Kirk and Hunter Madsen. Nevertheless, these men have directly affected your life and American culture strategically, gradually, subtly, and definitely intentionally. In the November 1987 edition of Guide, a magazine for homosexuals, the two men authored an article titled The Overhauling of Straight America. Their Kirk, a researcher in neuropsychiatry, and Madsen, a public relations consultant, laid out a blueprint to fundamentally change Americans' attitudes towards homosexuals and homosexuality. In 1989, they expanded that blueprint into a 398-page book titled After the Ball, How America will conquer its fear and hatred of gays in the 90s. Their goal was to make homosexuality acceptable and to forge negative opinions of anyone who would disagree. The article began by stating, the first order of business is desensitization of the American public concerning gays and gay rights. To desensitize the public is to help it view homosexuality with indifference. She likes strawberry, and I like vanilla. He follows baseball, and I follow football. No big deal. Now, I quoted that from the guide article, The Overhauling of Straight America, rather than the book, because the book is at times quite vulgar and very graphic. Interested listeners 
can find the article in whole or in part online where they can oftentimes find the book at the public library. This desensitization could occur because America has been on a rapid path to eliminate the God of Christianity from its society. Romans chapter 1 verse 21 states in the concordant literal New Testament, because knowing God, not as God, do they glorify or thank him. But vain were they made in their reasonings, and darkened is their unintelligent heart. In Romans 1.28, we read, And according as they do not test God to have him in recognition, God gives them over to a disqualified mind to do that which is not befitting. And then later on in Romans chapter 11 and verse 10, we read, Darkened be their eyes, not to be observing, and their backs bow together continually. The book, The Overhauling of Straight America, can be described as the Bible of the homosexual agenda. It is quite a contrast to the Bible of Christianity. The authors, Marshall Kirk and Hunter Madsen, relating to the culture of the late 1980s, were very realistic. They state, at least in the beginning, we are seeking public desensitization and nothing more. We do not need and cannot expect a full appreciation or understanding of homosexuality from the average American. You can forget about trying to persuade the masses that homosexuality is a good thing, but if you can only get them to think that it is just another thing, then your battle for legal and social rights is virtually won. End of quote. To understand how startlingly successful their blueprint proved to be, consider this. In 1987, the year that article was published, Gallup polls showed that only 33% of those polled thought that same-sex relations between consenting adults should be legal, while 55% thought such action should be outlawed. Numbers do not total 100% because some offered no opinion. By 2015, the numbers were more than reversed. 68% believed such sexual relations should be legal, and only 28% were opposed. Same-sex marriage was so off the radar that it was not even asked about back in the Gallup polls until 1996 when only 27% approved and 68% were opposed. Today, Gallup polls show that 58% approve and 40% disapprove. Another startling turnaround in attitudes. Gallup polls in 1989 showed that only 19% of Americans believed people were born homosexual, with 48% believing 
It was due to environmental factors such as upbringing. But by 2015, those numbers had dramatically shifted to 51% believing homosexuals were born that way and only 30% attributing it to other factors. And by 2022, that number jumped to 78% believed that homosexuals were born that way. This is in spite of the fact that extensive genetic research and many studies of identical twins where only one was a homosexual have disproven genetic determinism. In other words, they've proven that people are not born homosexuals. Well-researched surveys, as opposed to some with markedly skewed samples and or methodology, have consistently placed the homosexual population of America at somewhere around 3 to 6%. Yet the influence of homosexuals on American culture is vastly out of proportion with their actual numbers. How in the world did this come to be? For those who remember what American culture was like, in 1987, when the blueprint was first published, you can easily evaluate whether the six strategies they outlined have been successful. For those too young to remember the late 80s, consider how pervasive these things are in the culture you experience today. What was their blueprint for overhauling American attitudes? I want to discuss the six steps they advocated a quarter century ago. Step one, talk about gays and gayness as loudly and as often as possible. Authors Kirk and Madsen say that almost any behavior begins to look normal if you are exposed to it enough. The way to benumb raw sensitivities about homosexuality is to have a lot of people talk a great deal about the subject in a neutral or a supportive way. Constant talk builds the impression that public opinion is at least divided on the subject and that a sizable segment of society accepts or even practices homosexuality, end of quote. Consider this further quote. And when we talk about homosexuality, we mean just that. In the early stages of any campaign, to reach straight America, the masses should not be shocked and repelled by premature exposure to homosexual behavior itself. Instead, the imagery of sex should be downplayed. First let the camel get his nose inside the tent. Only later his unslightly derriere. End of quote. When we are exposed to anything repeatedly, it becomes routine and normal. 
what initially might shock someone eventually can become acceptable. And acceptability is the ultimate goal. What at one time was highly offensive to the vast majority of Americans is now no big deal. America has been lulled into complacency. Proverbs 1 verse 32 states, For the simple are killed by their turning away, and the complacency of fools destroys them. This idea is reiterated in Zephaniah chapter 1, verse 12. At that time, I will search Jerusalem with lamps, and I will punish the men who are complacent, those who say in their hearts, The Lord will not do good, nor will he do ill. Where we talk is important, wrote Kirk and Madsen. They continue. The average American household watches over seven hours of TV daily. Those hours open up a gateway into the private world of straits through which a Trojan horse might be passed. So far, gay Hollywood has proved our best convert weapon in the battle to desensitize the mainstream. Bit by bit, over the past 10 years, gay characters and gay themes have been introduced into TV programs and movies. On the whole, the impact has been encouraging. End of quote. Have you noticed the number of homosexual characters appearing in TV programs today? And how they are overwhelmingly depicted positively? From a rarity on TV in the 1980s, such characters are now almost inescapable. Glad, back in 2017-18, released its annual report on the TV season. The LGBTQ representation on television and the organization has found that while there are positive changes happening in broadcast cable and streaming, Hollywood still has a ways to go, especially in representation of LGBTQ characters of color. End of quote. According to GLAD, of the 901 series regular characters appearing on scripted primetime broadcast this 2022 season of television, 58 of those characters, or 6.4%, were identified as gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender, and or queer, making it the highest percentage GLAD has found in the history of this report. There were an additional 28 recurring LGBTQ characters. On the cable side, the number of LGBTQ regular and recurring characters increased to 173. In streaming, 
there were 70 LGBTQ regulars and reoccurring characters counted among Amazon, Hulu, and Netflix originals. This is an increase of five total characters from 2021. Think about it. If a child grows up hearing about the gay lifestyle and seeing it portrayed positively their entire life, will it not make it seem normal? Kirk and Madsen also described a strategy by which the homosexual movement could counter and largely nullify opposition from America's churches. They wrote, when conservative churches condemn gays, there are only two things we can do to confound the homophobia of true believers. First, we can use talk to muddy the moral waters. This means publicizing support for gays by more moderate churches, raising theological objections of our own about conservative interpretations of biblical teachings and exposing hatred and inconsistency. End of quote. Well, this they have certainly accomplished. They have enlisted liberal scholars to explain away biblical teachings about homosexual practices, reinterpreting their plain meaning. We must be careful to live out our political beliefs. It is pointless to know and speak up for truth if we do not also act on that truth in the way that God would want us to act. It is a shame that churches who do not know their Bibles, that leaders who barely study the scriptures, that individuals now are in the pulpits who have a political agenda rather than a biblical agenda are the ones that now are being talked about as the experts. Individuals like Joel Olstein, who doesn't know his Bible, the man doesn't believe the words and only picks and chooses what it is that he would like to say or do. This is something I believe we need to be on guard about. This is why 2 Timothy 2.15 states, Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. When our intention is to actively pursue a deeper relationship with God and obey him in all things, we are less likely to compromise. When we study the word of God and correctly divide the word into its correct dispensational settings, we will more readily recognize the things that seek to draw us away from God. Kirk and Madsen continued, We can undermine the moral authority of homophobic churches by portraying them as antiquated backwaters, badly out of step with the times and with the latest findings of psychology. End of quote. 
Again, their strategy has succeeded remarkably well. Those who hold to biblical teachings about homosexuality and marriage are condemned as bigots, homophobes, and backward thinkers who are a threat to progress. Some who have stood up have been fined, ordered to attend pro-homosexual sensitivity training, lost jobs, or had their businesses sued out of existence by government agents and agencies that support the homosexual agenda. The next step in their stated strategy, in a similar way, turns truth on its head. Step two, portray gays as victims, not as aggressive challengers. In any campaign to win over the public, gays must be cast as victims in need of protection, Kirk and Madsen wrote. Of course, this does not address the issue of whether the gay lifestyle is right or wrong. It is an attempt to emotionally manipulate others with the motive of getting them to accept values they otherwise would not agree with. If gays are presented instead of as a strong and prideful tribe promoting a rigidly nonconformist and deviant lifestyle, they are more likely to be seen as a public menace that justifies resistance and oppression. For that reason, we must forego the temptation to strut our gay pride publicly when it conflicts with the gay victim image, they wrote. Later they state, this means that jaunty mustached muscle men would keep very low profile in gay commercials and other public presentations while sympathetic figures of nice young people, old people, and attractive women would be featured. End of quote. They then add this caution for those who would want to push the gay agenda too far. It almost goes without saying that groups on the farthest margin of accessibility or acceptability, such as NAMBLA, the North American Man Boy Love Association, which, as its name suggests, promotes adult child homosexual sex must play no part at all in such a campaign. Suspected child molesters will never look like victims. Straight viewers must be able to identify with gays as victims. To this end, the persons featured in the public campaign should be decent and upright, appealing and admirable by straight standards. They should be indistinguishable from the straits we would like to reach. End of quote. It should be obvious that we are beyond this strategy today. How many of you know that child molestation is typically the homosexual community perpetrating the crime against a child? 
The homosexual community accounts for approximately 6.4% of the population, yet it accounts for 33% of all sex crimes committed against children. Don't take my word for it. That information is common knowledge in the Crime Bureau of Statistics for this country. The gay community should no longer be considered victims in the United States. And in reality, those in the gay movement have become aggressive challengers of traditional values and biblical beliefs on many fronts. This brings us to the next step in their strategic blueprint. Step three, give protectors a just cause. Kirk and Madsen write, a media campaign that casts gays as society's victims and encourages straights to be their protectors must make it easier for those to respond to assert and explain their new protectiveness. Few straight women and even fewer straight men will want to defend homosexuality boldly as such. Our campaign should not demand direct support for homosexual practices, but should instead take anti-discrimination as its theme. The right to free, free speech, freedom of beliefs, freedom of association, due process and equal protection of laws. These should be the concerns brought to mind by our campaign. End of quote. Again, this tactic is antiquated now. Law and due process should have always protected all citizens equally. The real issue is whether there is a true creator God who authored the Bible, and if that God has the right to determine right and wrong and what is best for those he has created. Romans 11.33 states, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. Psalm 115.3 writes, Again, in Psalms 115, verse 3, our God is in heaven. He does whatever he pleases. It is God alone who has the right to determine what is right and what is wrong. He has this right because he is our creator, not some man-made court or man-made justice system based on humanistic and secular reasoning. Step four, make gays look good. In order to make a gay victim sympathetic to straights, you have to portray him as every man. But an additional theme of the campaign should be more aggressive and upbeat to offset the increasingly bad press that these times have brought to homosexual men and women. The campaign should paint gays as superior pillars of society, Kirk and Madsen write. This approach 
can be considered mission accomplished. Kirk and Madsen also pointed out the benefits of the celebrity endorsement. It does not matter whether the celebrity is straight or gay. The important thing is the endorsement of homosexuality as normal. Of course, most celebrities are part of the entertainment world, where values are overwhelmingly liberal and opposed to biblical standards. Is it any wonder that so many celebrities have come out of the closet in recent years or proclaimed their support for gays? Proverbs has some things to say about this. Consider Proverbs 14, verse 12. There is a way that seems right to a man, but the end of it is the ways of death. And Proverbs chapter 16, verse 27 states, A worthless man plots evil, and on his lips it is like a burning fire. To promote an agenda that is so clearly against God's moral standards is evil. Plain and simple. Step five, make the victimizers look bad. Kirk and Madsen continued, at a later stage of the media campaign for gay rights, it will be time to get tough with remaining opponents. To be blunt, they must be vilified. Our goal here is twofold. First, we seek to replace the mainstream's self-righteous pride about its homophobia with shame and guilt. Second, we intend to make the anti-gays look so nasty, so mean, that average Americans will want to disassociate themselves from those types. The public should be shown images of ranting homophobes whose secondary traits and beliefs disgust America, Kirk and Manson wrote. To this end, they then suggested that those who oppose the homosexual agenda be linked with images such as the Ku Klux Klan, bigoted Southern ministers drooling with hysterical hatred, thugs and convicts in Nazi concentration camps. They, they suggested that imagery of the Ku Klux Klan and Nazis in images of hatred would be ones that would be permeated in the background of those speaking out against homosexuality. This strategy, aided and abetted by sympathetic news media and government agencies, and I want to add a very biased news media, has led 
to us entering a stage of aggressive attacks by some in the gay community against those who sincerely believe that homosexual behavior, behavior violates the laws, instructions, and principles of God. Bible-believing Christians are indeed vilified and branded as bigots and homophobes. The Bible warns us that this would happen. The Apostle Paul writes in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 12 and 13, all and all who are wanting to live devoutly in Christ Jesus shall be persecuted. Yet wicked men and swindlers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. I ask, do rights of freedom of speech freedom of religious beliefs, and freedom of association work both ways? We are living in a time in which constitutionally guaranteed citizens' rights are being stripped away to accommodate new supposed rights invented by various court rulings and government policy. Step 6. Solicit funds. The buck stops here. Any massive campaign of this kind would require unprecedented expenditures for months or even years, an unprecedented fundraising drive, they wrote. Yet at that same time, they made a statement showing that gays really are not the oppressed, victimized group that Kirk and Madsen advocate that they be portrayed as. And I quote, Because those gays not supporting families usually have more discretionary income than average, they could afford to contribute much more. End of quote. If you have ever wondered why so many American businesses cater to a gay clientele, donate money to support homosexual causes, and celebrated the U.S. Supreme Court's ruling legalizing same-sex marriage, it is because they recognized the simple fact homosexual couples who typically do not have children have substantially more discretionary income than families who do have children. The impact of this is also being felt in the political arena, where wealthy gays help bankroll campaigns for sympathetic candidates who will advance their interests and fund ads attacking those who stand for traditional and biblical values. Kirk and Madsen go on to praise the fact that homosexuals have been able to infiltrate American news media to advance the cause of issues important to them. They wrote, Because most straightforward appeals are impossible, the National Gay Task Force has had to cultivate quiet backroom li liaisons 
with broadcast companies and newsrooms in order to make sure that issues important to the gay community receive coverage, end of quote. In the 26 years since they wrote that, most of the United States media has tilted even further to the left so that proponents of the homosexual agenda are assured of favorable coverage and free publicity for their cause. I ask, what is the right Christian response? Those who believe the Bible and care about the future of America should be aware that today's issues regarding the gay lifestyle have been orchestrated by activists for more than 25 years. This was no accident or chance course of events. A gay person should not be afraid of a Christian as some hate monger. True followers of Jesus Christ are to always show love toward others, recognizing that all have sinned and needs God, need God's mercy and forgiveness. Romans 3.23 tells us, For all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But this does not mean excusing and accepting sin. I want you to recall that Jesus did not condemn a woman who was caught in adultery and brought before him in the book of John, chapter 8, verses 2 through 11. But he did not say that what she was doing was acceptable either. He told her to go and sin no more in John 8, 11. Moreover, he had to die to pay the penalty of her sin and ours. He became our sacrifice. We should call sin what it is. And the Bible clearly labels homosexual activity a sin. Consider the following verses, and there are many more like these. Leviticus 18.22 You shall not lie with a male as with a woman. It is an abomination. Leviticus 20.13 If a man lies with a male as with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood is upon them. And in the New Testament, this idea is still reiterated. In Romans chapter 1, verses 22 through 28, the Apostle Paul writes, Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like the corruptible man, and to birds, and four-footed beasts, and creeping things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie 
and worshipped and served the creature more than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, <coughs> which was meat. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Notice here, the Apostle Paul called homosexuality as being against nature. It is contrary to nature. It is not normal in nature. Of course, we must have compassion for those who do not understand or for those who do struggle with this sin. In communicating with others, Christians should be wise enough not to be trapped by phrases mislabeling the Christian approach. Are you anti-gay? Can be a very misleading question. Understanding the definitions of someone you are having a discussion with is important. Acceptance, tolerance, and inclusive, inclusivity can be controversial and very emotionally charged words. Speaking on the issue of tolerance, megachurch pastor and best-selling author Rick Warren observed that our culture has accepted two huge lies. The first is that if you disagree with someone's lifestyle, you must fear them or hate them. The second is that to love someone means you agree with everything they believe or do. Both notions are nonsense. You do not have to compromise convictions to be compassionate. And I will state for the record, by sticking to your convictions, you are being compassionate. Disapproval is not hatred. Disapproval of what is wrong and harmful is a part of godly love. Let me give you an example. If I have a five-year-old, and that five-year-old wants to play in fire, my disapproval of that behavior is not wrong, and it is not harmful. It is for his benefit. And we need to understand that our disapproval of homosexuality is not wrong, and it is not harmful.
it is godly love to help individuals who are trapped and ensnared and have become slaves to their own lusts. The Apostle Paul writes to the church in Corinth the following. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13, Be on alert. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Do not let your life be controlled by the clever marketing of evil as good and good as evil. Look to God's word as the blueprint for your life. One day, this wayward world and its vile influences will end. But the way of God will prevail. Stand firm. I hope this edition of Differing Things has been educational for you and challenging. I hope that it has generated questions so that you go back into your Bibles and study them. Good day, and God bless. We want to thank you for listening to this week's Differing Things podcast. If you would like to get more information about the Bible, please check out our website, www.beacon-ministries.org. Do not forget to join us next week for a new Differing Things podcast.